This week's episode of Drunk Week in Review is brought to you by the letter L for legal brief, mostly so Cody doesn't get us sued. Anyway, here we go. The views and opinions expressed in this show are solely those of the host and do not reflect the official policy or position of the host employers. Any content provided by our host is their opinion and is not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, entity, individual, or anyone or anything. Enjoy the show, y'all. The circle of life. Don't know the rest of the words, but JM is now part of it. Hey, everybody. Big congrats to Papa Bear himself, JM Jones, who's now the proud father of TJ Jones Romeo Smith Jr. <laughs> you know, it's Romeo, not Romeo. It's Romeo. You know, I mean, I'm just trying you to give her. I'm just trying to give your wife some some intrigue to her name. Uh, Did y'all ever listen to? This is in. I basically just Joe Dirtate it. Yeah, this is like mid two thousands when Rodney Carrington had his big stand up special, the one that has like titties and beer and show them to me and all that on it. Yeah, Uh, he talks about he talks about taking. It was right after he got the his Rodney Carrington show. um, And so he takes his whole family out to Disneyland. Is that the one in California? Yeah. Okay. So he takes his whole family out to Disneyland. Is this Rodeo versus Rodeo? Yeah, and his his wife's talking about, I, you know, I want to go to, I want to go buy shoes and uh, hops in the hops in the cab, and he tells the cab driver, he goes, take me to Rodeo Drive, and the cab driver says, that's pronounced Rodeo, and he goes, whatever, assholeo, just take me there. <laughs> <laughs> so every time I hear somebody call her Romeo, I'm like, "Yep, yeah, Rodney Carrington." <laughs> but yes, uh, Tyler James, TJ, uh, born eight pounds, zero ounces, twenty uh, and three quarters inches long. Um, Pretty I, fucked up. Caitlin couldn't squeeze out another ounce into him before he was born. Yeah. You know? uh, well, I, some weird, so, I some weird even number. I didn't know, I didn't know this um uh, I'm, I'm sure y'all did but did not know this that like we went to our first doctor's appointment today the first pediatrician appointment and yep. they and they weigh him and they're like oh that's a really good weight seven pounds 13 ounces and I was yeah, like, uh, yeah they, uh, how did they he lose lo- weight I was like he's lost three pounds or three ounces and she goes and Caitlin goes well his take-home weight was seven pounds 11 ounces I was like how did he lose five ounces almost Whatever the math on that is, a third of a pound in one day, because we yeah, were ju- we were just they, there uh, overnight. Born on Sunday, home Monday afternoon. Yeah, that's fucking insane. <laughs> but your shit was a lot simpler. Um, yeah, so they lose—I don't know the percentage, but yes, they lose a percentage of their birth weight, and then it takes them like two weeks. Two. She said two weeks get bounced back. Yeah, they sometimes said, I think they said they want to be back at birth weight within 14 days of birth yeah yeah something like that it's yeah oof, that's so long ago now. dude dude's super chill though um like so we uh he's born he's born sunday morning at 9 23 in the morning right so march 5th 9 23 in the morning um they wipe him off real quick 
give them to Caitlin. They do skin on skin for like an hour, hour and a half. Nice. Um, and then they they stick them with a needle. I think like a blood draw, like a, a initial blood draw, something like they that. They do like the bottom of their feet, little yep. prick thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he cried for all of about thirty seconds, and then that was yeah. Okay. And then we move into the mother, um, the mother baby ward. So it's me and her and TJ, and um, she feeds him a little bit, and then he sleeps. And then he wakes up like three hours later. And, and that's about all he's going to do for the next wh- fucking three, he, four months. <laughs> he wakes up like three hours later, and he's just looking around. I was like, hey, Caitlin, he's awake. So I grab him, and I change his diaper, and he just looks at me. He's like, yeah, cool, whatever. Um, oh man, have you like? Is he done with like the just like the weird black X Files poops? Yet? Yeah. So those are all done. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those are so trippy. Yeah, those are all done now. Um, but the dude, like, the dude just slept all day long. All he did was sleep. And whenever he woke up, he wouldn't cry to say he was hungry. Like he just woke up, and then we'd be like, "Oh, he's awake. Let's feed him." Uh, to the point yeah. that he's trying to trick y'all into making another one, and the next one's gonna fucking suck. Yeah, the p- <laughs> the next morning when they're doing his so the morning of the sixth, um, remember the Alamo, when they're doing his circumcision, he slept through his circumcision. Like they snipped him, and he was like, "Yeah, whatever." That's uh, mildly troubling. Uh, he, so <laughs> like, I, wait, dude, someone chopped your dick. You're, you're gonna we give us a little something. Like we weren't quiet. We had the TV blaring for two days straight to the point that I was actually worried he was deaf because I'm like, okay, we're making a lot of noise and he's not crying. Yeah. Um, they do his hearing test and he responds perfectly. And they're like, yeah, he's got great hearing. Um, I, he, like, you can't wake this kid up. You just can't wake him up. I I vacuumed next to him. The other day, he was asleep. I, uh, he was in our, we got one of those Duna strollers, so it's a car seat, and then you hit a button, and the, and the, the wheels unfold of it, so it's like a car seat yeah, slash yeah. stroller in one. It's great. Um, and we, after his appointment, I parked him in the living room with mom, and with, with Caitlin and her mother. I went outside to mow the lawn. I came back in and I accidentally kicked his, <laughs> kicked his car carrier, because I forgot he was laying on the ground. Uh, so like I'm walking by and I kick the carrier and I look down and he's asleep and I like I didn't nudge it like I kicked the shit out of this thing because I forgot it was there <laughs> uh, and I look down still asleep and I was like hey Caitlin I just I just oh, kicked man. the thing and he won't wake up is he dead yeah, I looked yeah. down and I was uh, like no uh, he's still Caitlin, breathing uh, he's uh, still we, we he's we still breathing dud? I don't know I was like he's still breathing she goes okay. Whatever. Yeah, like you can't wake this dude up. Oh man. It's great. I, man. <laughs> he sleeps like so now, five hours at a time. Um, so now we just need to like test out like what's the loudest noise he won't wake up from. So we need to get some like M eighties. I slammed a <laughs> I slammed a uh I slammed a cabinet on accident. No, I dr- uh, you introduce him to butt rock now. I uh, did. I'm sh- Caitlin yeah, well Caitlin was in the uh hospital picking up her meds and uh I wanted to attempt it, so I, I turned on some metal music, like l- not super loud. I'm not gonna damage his hearing, but it was loud enough that any normal baby should have woken up. And he, I just looked back, and he's just asleep. Like this is wonderful. <laughs> like he That's just can't crazy. wake the dude up. Good for him. I Good wish I him. had that problem. Everything wakes me up. So that's my life, and I've got 
50 more days of work. I don't know. I go back to work May 1st. Whatever. Oh, yeah. Then, then they then you got to like tell people how to do their loads. That's right. I signed up for a college class today so I can I got 7 weeks of Congrats. leave left. So if, I've, if I made you special shorts for the back of it said loadmaster, would you wear them? No, cuz I'm not a loadmaster. That's a different course. Uh, I thought Mr. you were teaching what to do. No, I'm not. That's a different course. I, it's in that schoolhouse. That's just not what I'm teaching. That's what. Yeah, I guess that's why I thought was going on. No, I'm teaching um, movement. I'm teaching like how to move unit equipment, yeah. not putting it on aircraft, but like actually the processes and systems and physically moving your equipment from one installation to a deployed location. Yeah. Oh. Dope. And that's. And that's still like in the wheelhouse of an advanced airborne operation. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like historically, it goes. Um, it belongs to the schoolhouse from like 1947 is when the heavy drop school starts, and then, um, like throughout the years, they just continue to add weeks to the heavy drop school, and then like, oh, we should teach people how to move all their equipment from one place to another, and then oh, we Once should it's teach dropped. People- yeah, we should teach people how to put it on aircraft and like all this just all becomes all encompassing. Yeah, like the loadmaster stuff, like I've always found that really interesting. Yeah, this is one of the few installations where they'll let the army do it. Usually the air force is going to tell you exactly where to put it or they're just going to do it for you. Uh but because the brags whatever it is, what is it 60 hour requirement or 80 hour requirement? I can't remember. Oh uh, yeah. You guys are the 82nd airborne. So you have to have that mission set. You have to yeah. have 82 hours. Yeah. Whatever the like deployability <laughs> hour, it's different for aviation. So I, I don't know what the ground force requirement is, but like whatever Fort Bragg's, um, right. International you guys conti- are designated to be like from Fort Bragg to responding in Haiti. The president wants you to within, like 36 hours or something. Yeah, shit, right? something like that. And so because of that, Fort Bragg's one of the places where the Army will actually load and tie down um, Air Force There's other strategic themselves. ways that you can skin that cat. I mean, it's pretty interesting. Um, that fantastic, and, and congratulations. In so All the way around. You passed yeah, school. Man. You made a son. Uh, I didn't make a son. Caitlin made the son. I feel like she didn't do that much, but it looks just you did. You did did all the work. It looks just (laughs) like me. It is great. I mean, yeah, that that is your kid. There's no quite. I know you didn't have any questions, but there are really no questions. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, all right. Tell me about y'all's y'all's weeks. It's been two weeks since we caught up since. I don't you go. Shit, man, I I'd have just been really enjoying uh, getting back into the gym, um, just taking a taking some notes out of Cody's book with the moderation thing. Uh, went on a pretty big ride, and afterwards, it cracks a couple beers afterwards. So you know um, that's been been the hot news around here. We got the San Diego Belgian wafer ride coming up in about four or five weeks. And I'm really looking forward to that. It's, but I do have a, a pretty fair amount of anxiety, um, just from a time perspective and, and power uh, output perspective on the bike. But um, other than that, I mean, like things are going really well. Um, I couldn't complain. Cody, what what have you been up to, brother? I've just been a deep dark hole of despair with this project I've been on, and uh, as of. Tuesday, all my most of my shit was approved, 
and the only thing stopping this project from launching is a humongous problem on there, and that's not my fucking problem. So <laughs> I, I have not remotely felt like isn't that a truly g- myself in like close to three weeks. And so once like my my piece of the project got like a like all oh, right, yeah, this all looks great now. We're good to go because I was fixing all these mistakes from a, you know a third party agency that built. I'm not going to go into all the details, but I'm fixing mistakes and I'm like throwing in new shit that's just like throwing like we didn't scope for any of this. But yeah, sure, I can fucking do it and just get my dick kicked over just like all these tight deadlines only to find out they don't have the data because their systems are fucked up. And I kept telling them that I was fucked up for like two weeks. Like, 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 hey, like I'm telling you. I'm using SQL and this does not like these parameters aren't giving results. I went to the root tables. It's not like the pieces we need aren't there. Like, well, we think you're just doing it wrong. And I finally got them on a call (laughs) and they like, they do these little things. They're like, Oh, well that's weird. Um, It seems to be that this table is missing this, you know, very important field for 240,000 people. I'm like, yeah, it's weird that it's a, problem because i definitely told you it was a problem <laughs> been telling you it was a fucking problem so yeah not yeah so that's cool you gotta love it when you're right the entire time and then they think you're wrong but you're right isn't it such a good feeling when you're like yeah hey, no, 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 i'll do it i'm gonna do it exactly like what you said and then you hand it back to him and you're like here's your fucked up product and then they yell yeah. at you and go no, no no hold on this is what you said to do this is what I said was going to happen, and look what happened. <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm over here, like fucking, like, like, am I Chicken Little? Like, am I just telling them the sky's falling? Cause Uh-oh. it is, you know. But it's all good. Um, yeah. So I finally feel like myself again. Just, cause, I mean, I was doing like sixty to seventy. I mean, one week was close to seventy-five hours, just working nights tedious shit so yeah I'm, I'm happy to be back uh tomorrow we uh Brittany and i are going with uh the family and some of like Alyssa's friends up to fort, fort worth. worth on the train we're taking the amtrak from temple to fort worth. are you going to temple I, I think you could catch it all the way down to taylor you can catch it in taylor but for what reason they like to catch it in taylor and temple all right do me a favor on your way up i know it hates you and or you hate it and it goes against your morals so send Brittany in if necessary but uh caitlin wants a bucky onesie uh if we will okay yeah i can i can we'll do that for you of course yes yeah it goes against everything that you stand for because the bathrooms are too clean so send too clean send Brittany in uh caitlin wants a bucky's onesie Oh man, Alexander! Like they have those like their breakfast tacos are pretty big, and but they are absolute gut bombs. Aaron and they will sneak up on you at the worst times. Aaron knows about some Bucky's breakfast tacos. I was so hungover, I don't remember what happened after I ate the Bucky's. I just but, remember um, I, on, on the note of Bucky's, you guys are doing Texas talk, and I gotta say, congratulations and uh, you know, uh, happy Independence, and remember the Alamo stuffs. I know that we're we're late in recording this, but uh, I I did I did note the holiday by making Texas chili on Texas Independence Day. Oh, I love it. Right, it was pretty Texasy. I, I I couldn't really knock too much of it. The fact there's tomato paste, I was like, all right. But, but overall, but that's a pretty solid. But no beans. Recipe. But no beans, and that's no all beans. that matters. Yeah, 
No, I, no, I, 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 I gave him a pass. I caught the vibe. I, I gave him a pass. Like, soon as I saw no beans, like, this is fine. Totally fine. Yeah. It's a rip, tomato dude. sauce is totally legit. Um, the recipe I follow doesn't use it, but I absolutely I was surprised when it didn't call for it. To be honest, so. well, well, I think so it does say did. optional and well, so I, you know. Well, I think the tomatoes can really bring out like it kind of adds like a brightness to just the fucking onslaught of peppers. But, so it's not a bad. But thing. we've talked about, and I know we've talked about it on this podcast before, and I'm just going to re- mention it again. But the reason why there is traditionally no tomatoes is. Is because a chili, much like much like all of the staple food of Texas, it's how do we take this shitty meat and make it edible and make it taste good. Like I don't yeah. like brisket is brisket is a garbage piece of meat, and the it somehow over the over the past couple hundred years or hey, whatever. Can I interrupt you on yeah. that note? The stew. I I'm just gonna call it beef stew, spicy beef That's stew. That's fair. Yeah, it's I mean, a guiso, right? But I, I am so disappointed with the way the steak portion of it tasted. Even though there was like, I made sure to find like a bone-in ribeye, or it wasn't a ribeye. It was like, oh, wait dude, for your chili? You just get a, no, I didn't go no ribeye. Wait, what did I do? For I your chili? Remember. I used, yeah, uh, I, no, dude, she's a chuck no, roast. No, just go go get a fucking chuck roast. Go into go dude, into your butcher's no, I mean, counter like, and there you was get... a chuck roast right there. But I also had something like um. Like a cheap New York stripper or no. something. I think that's what happened. No, what you, you, you want to know. You actually no. do want the chuck You want the garbage meat. It's, yeah, it's oh, that same, garbage meat. The spirit of it is like taking this tough piece of meat and then making it tender. Just like, so just do like you, when you guys do. Do you tenderize it before you sear it? Do you sear no, it before no, no, no. you add it? I or do, do you do it I like do sear, yes. You do sear. I, I, I do sear. Okay. Um, Wait. Yeah. So leading up to let's 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 go with this. Because, so we have. Let's start with yeah, let's it. start yes. with the in hour, right? So in hour is the day or is the is the moment that the meat goes into the wet, <laughs> into the stew itself. We're gonna call that in hour. So back us up from because Aaron, you asked the question. Cody, back us up from that point. So what do you do prepping from the moment the meat goes into the the broth or the the stew or whatever you want to call it. Back us up your prep for the meat. You're asking me or Aaron? You, Cody. I'm sorry. You'd salt and sear it, wouldn't you? Uh, all I've at that point when the when meat touches the wet, all I've done is I have seared it. I've well, I, so I've cubed up to about one one and a half inch chunks. I have browned it, and it's only had salt and pepper on it. Salt going on very early, like to kind of get it all, all the tenderizing working how, in motion. How early? It depends on it depends on like how much forethought I had that I was making chili. Ideally, I've salted it the night before, but I'm fine with salting at noon and putting on chili. That's yeah, because I don't start it until the kids go to sleep, and I can like only focus on making fucking chili for an hour and a half. Gotcha. Yeah, and so yeah, so typically, if I can get away with it night before, that's I have read that you can start salting like fucking three days in advance. So that's can that's I, what I was getting. Can at. I tell you what I would do differently next time? With that in mind, is is salt it, uh, you know, the twenty four forty eight hours in advance. But I would also even change the cut of meat from chuck to like a flank steak, and I could broil it at like mm. four hundred degrees for five minutes, do a chop, and add it 
when it goes in at the end hour. I hate you so much. Why do you hate me? What did I what did I say? He's been shaking his head, ladies and gentlemen. I'll, I'll tell you yes. all the non Yes. I don't I'm just, like just just go use for it. it. Go for it. Just what's use go, the, what's wrong so, with it. Flank is Flank's not Flank's not bad. Flank's not bad. But just use the chuck. Like just go honestly go in to your What if he just said fuck it and did a London broil? Yeah, no shit. Go <laughs> take <laughs> take a ten dollar bill. Play. Take a ten dollar bill and walk and into your chuck and walk into your grocery store and go straight to the butcher to the meat counter and go, I need ten pounds of the worst cut of beef you have. Boom. And slap it on. And then salt that bitch on a Monday. And then sometime between Tuesday night and Wednesday night, throw it in. <laughs> okay. All right, man. I'll I'll do that next time. So, okay. I will tell that, you that's a fair that's fair. Like it's one of those things. It's only, like only because it's, it's so salt does retain the moisture well, and, it, and kicks, it does dry out but it breaks, in the way that I had no, no, it. No, it, no, it breaks it well, breaks down. Salt the, does not dry it out until unless it's been salted for like weeks. Yeah. No, salt breaks down the salt breaks down the muscle membranes, right? Yeah, like that that's what makes it really melt. That's where you get the tender like your this is the tenderization process, if that's a word. Whatever. Um, you're tenderizing it with the salt. And so it's dissolving the muscle. Just like Are you shit. applying a handful like like a fist? What what is that? Uh no. I am I mean there's like my, a no, no, salt no, no, fatty no, no. acid. Um, no, this is crusted. I mean it is a salt crusted okay. piece of meat. For me, it is a salt crusted piece of meat. Because I don't go that do heavy on the like salt, but I don't see a problem side with that and either. Then cube it from there. So, so like, I don't cube. Well, so I don't, what you do, I don't so cube what, until I do it after I've. I don't cube until the day of cooking. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not salting okay. it cubed. I right. am browning both sides of it, and then I'm cubing. So I will tell you that I will tell you the biggest, the biggest thing I've learned in the 24 hour salt process is putting on a cooling rack. So what I used yeah, to do having a wire pan. What I used to yeah, do yeah. was is I would do a salt crust on it and then put that on a baking sheet and throw it in the fridge. Knowing that a lot of that salt is going to wick off as the meat bleeds, right? Like as, as you're kicking that excess water out as you're tenderizing, you're you're wicking salt. But the problem was much like um have y'all done an eggplant parm? You know where you Okay. So eggplant parm uh, when you bake eggplant, you want to heavily salt them for uh, several hours to get rid of the bitterness and you'll see the eggplant weep. Um, and so the first time I did that was the same deal was as it's weeping, I didn't have anything separating it from the baking sheet. So it's weeping, but when I pick it up, it just sucks it right back in. So I'm salt crusting this thing on a, and I'm legitimately Tuesday night at a, you know, at 6 PM or whatever is when I just crust the crap out of it. Um, Wednesday at, 4 4 p.m. or whatever, I pull it out. It rests for an hour, um, just sitting on the sitting on the counter, bringing it back up to room temperature, uh, and letting again letting all that stuff wick. And then I have, and then I turn on my cast iron as hot as I can get it. No oil, no nothing. Just a straight. Just I want a char. So I throw it on there. And I actually have a weighted cast iron uh, press. I have like a cast iron nice, press that yeah. I use for sandwiches and stuff like that. And I th- yeah, I got a press, and I I use that thing on so many. So things, I so much. I throw it on the meat. 
um, just to hold it down and make sure it just sears the ever-living shit out of it. And I'm talking like 30, 45 seconds. I want this thing, I'm cooking it to a blue rare. If I ordered this at a steakhouse, I'm or, this would come out blue rare, where it's just black on the outside and it's still raw on the inside. Pull it out, and then that's when I cube it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That all sounds right. And the, Aaron, the reason I'm making fun of you for the meat, right, is because it's, we're not doing... It's just too much. Yeah, because you're not doing... The the object of the chili is not the meat, right? It's it's a whole encompassing thing. It it's the people who order eighteen hundred in their margaritas, or like say you like wanted crunchy tacos and you went and got wagyu beef. You're like, no, a crunchy taco should just be like shit beef, heavily spiced and greasy. Yeah, hey, man. Uh, our, we don't have any fancy butcher around here, so when I say like. It was a uh, it was a strip, right? Like it was like buy one get no, one. No, no, and I, underst- I understand, but that's why you use the. So for me, that's then, why I'm and using the I did the have chuck. the the chuck. The chuck was was I think maybe pre cubed, if memory serves me. There's nothing wrong with that. Every now and then I cheat and do that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but well, yeah, um, it's the, the I meat. Do, is, I do it for so like with everything with cooking, like the first run is always like a trial run, and you can learn from it. Um, uh, the the. The recipe said, "Go ahead and 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 prepare it. And if you're gonna eat it night of, it's gonna be great. Um, but it's best the next the day is gonna be or fucking dope, day, man. Right? Yes, that's, that's like and and you know it's the like other ceviche. thing I did to mine was I added Fritos to it. Um, and the Fritos Boom. added all the salt that I didn't know that I wanted, as well as like that that we, vinegar, call, uh, we call it a meal. Frito pie. Yeah, yeah. A little Frito pie." Yeah. Dude, so so it was a hit. I'd like to try maybe making um, corn tortillas to to dip into it next Ooh. time. But actually, um, the moves honestly, it's fre- it's fresh flour tortillas. Fresh flour. Oh yeah, you. totally. Yeah, yeah, they could ju- they just pull the flavor but right off. If you're making absorbs, if you're all making the them, juice. if you're making them yourself, just make them like a little extra thick. Don't go yes. full thin street style. Make them a little thicker so they're almost they're not quite non bread thickness, but they're not. You know the regular tortillas that you get thickness. They're somewhere in between, yeah. and yeah. that way you can get a good just sopping of it. Um, now, on that note, are you guys experienced with uh, the art of the tortilla? Yeah, I make my own tortillas. No, I have to. For I, I am. I am not. I. I don't. I'm do a little a afraid like of flour. I've been having a hard time making. with corn. I haven't. I. I don't do corn. I just because corn tortillas Caitlin can eat off the shelf. Uh, I make my own flour tortillas because she can't have. The off-the-shelf flour tortillas. Okay, they're super easy. Uh, and in All fact, right. I was mentally in the shower. I was designing a tortilla press in my head out of wood, um, and I think I have a pretty good design in my head of one that I can make here. Um, my uh, sister-in-law like texts me like, "Oh my god, you've got to you you've, you need a tortilla press." I'm like, "I don't really make tortillas." Like, "No, but you need it to make schnitzel." I'm like. Okay, now I'm listening. Tell, we basically just using the tortilla press to flatten out your piece of pork to make schnitzel. I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, uh, all right, yeah, I'm listening now. Yeah, I've wanted to get into making schnitzel. I've uh, I've started uh, dallying into making potato pancakes. Latkes. And, uh, I like to. Yeah, I know. I I like to learn how to make some schnitzel. I did. Uh, I did chicken fried. Um, I just last don't like. Month. 
I don't like mushroom gravy. So and then so much like schnitzel calls for like mushroom gravy. Yeah, I'll the Jaeger, the Jaeger gravy is that what it's called? Yeah, Jaeger. Yeah, a Jaeger schnitzel would be the mushroom gravy. Yeah, the hundred gravy. Yeah, yeah I know, did. I'd uh, say it's gross, but the couple times that I've had it. I've I've actually it. liked it, and I didn't grow I up like in the mushroom like as a thing. Yeah. But um, turns out I actually do, and, and maybe that was a preparation thing. Oh. You know, a thought just occurred to me. Uh, so, schnitzel is effectively it's just chicken fried steak, right? Or pork. And so yeah. the Germans are one of the main settlers of Texas, right? So the Germans, the Irish are the Germans and the Irish are like the main. European, but, but chicken big, fried steak was not founded. That wasn't founded in Texas, though. No, but think about okay. it, right? But think about it. It's but it makes sense as as the Europeans, as the Europeans, especially the Germans, move over and they settle the Gulf Coast from Texas to Florida. They bring uh, schnitzel with them, which is chicken fried pork. Yep. Well, what do we have in abundance at the time? We have cows and chickens, and so. Maybe it's. I would love the history of that. Is that how we end up with chicken fried steak yeah. and chicken fried chicken? Is the Germans bringing schnitzel over and then they and just then make, flattening out the meat and frying it? Yeah, making their own version of it here in America and making chicken fried steak and chicken fried chicken. Geez, maybe actually. I feel like the addition of gravy has got to be a German thing. Hmm. And yeah, then, good like, question. I couldn't tell you. They just didn't have like a ton. Like they're just like, oh yeah, we're just doing like white flour gravy now. Oh, but oh, Jack Allen's has a uh, chicken fried uh, beef rib that has this like green chili gravy, and it's fucking fantastic. Aaron, there's this joint um, outside of Wahlberg where you came for the uh, the brisket uh, Bartlett. Uh, It's not there anymore, but the guy who owned it. Uh, made a jalapeno country gravy that was... Here we go. Mark Walker and I used to go to... We'd go dump cans off at the uh, recycling joint there. And on the way back in, we'd stop at the diner in Bartlett, and I'd always get the chicken fried so I could get the jalapeno cream gravy. Um, I will say that the... uh, If you... Like, next time you're in town, Aaron, if you're ever in town, again, uh, the Wahlberg restaurant, you like, if you go in to sit... Like, their fucking chicken fried steak is world-class. Yeah, I wanted to eat there, man, but they had a line that was um, <laughs> oh, yeah. out, out the door. door. Oh, yeah. Absolutely out the door. You had to go in, like, any other month, September, November, go on a any t- other month. Just go line. on a Tuesday night. That was how I ate <laughs> yeah. um, Whataburger, like, two or three times in a row. Because it's that easy, was, easy to get. <laughs> it's like, we were, we were on our way back, and I was like, oh, damn it. Uh, I, I guess Whataburger's open. Yeah, because you can't trust the Tom Cabana in Georgia. Oh, that's on Britney's shit list. Sorry. All right. Oh, really? <laughs> um, did, it, did it hurt you? So I have, getting into this week's episode, it's a good intro. I enjoy it. I always love talking food with y'all. Like, if we're not talking food, I, first of all, I've caught yeah, myself- I have, the, I have a gumbo I could talk about. I've, I've caught myself saying like as an adjective about 15 times now, and it's driving me up the wall. I could keep, I could keep going on the food subject, just so you know. I know. We all could. But I want to talk about fun stuff. Uh, and so I did make a request because Cody brought up a really cool joint. And last week before the kid was born, I thought we were going to have a Cody JM special and we were going to do a Texas Independence Day podcast, which was going to be dope as shit. Um, what do you call it? But now 
we didn't have that happen. I, I requested that we do a, so March 6th was the fall of the Alamo. Um, and I requested that we do an Alamo-esque podcast. But I don't know how involved Aaron would be if we did a history of the Alamo and why why it's probably not the way you remember it. <laughs> uh, why uh, you know, I don't mind being a participant in this conversation. Um, why does it matter is where I would start. But um, for this one, I actually might grab another beer because why not? Yeah, yeah, grab it. Um, so, while while he's grabbing the beer, Cody, you read a book that I've been wanting to read. Um, yeah, recently. I can ship it to you when we ship you the Bucky's onesie. And it's it's don't remember the Alamo. Well, it's forget the forget Alamo. forget the Alamo. That's what it is. Yeah, I mean it's more of an edgy title than like what really the book is about. Um, what I. So what I found was interesting about this book. So it's three journalists. They come together. They do a ton of research. I think there's like 50 pages of fucking footnotes and like a bibliography in it. But um, it just talks about like what kind of like Aaron's talking about, like why? Why is the Alamo important? It's like, OK, well, like it becomes it probably wasn't all that important. What they did was actually really dumb and foolish there. And uh, and but because the Al- the defense of the Alamo failed, it becomes a symbol, and that symbol has been you know repackaged, repurposed, commercialized. It's been hijacked. It's been so many things, but it's a very powerful symbol to where you know you can mention the Alamo to someone in fucking. I don't know that I would say Afghanistan. That's not fair. We've had Americans there. So maybe they have heard the Alamo without us, but you go to somewhere in South America, like, Oh yeah, this is their Alamo moment. Like, Oh yes, Someone's last stand that failed miserably. Like, yeah, exactly that. So, um, yeah, you mentioned something. Uh, okay. So it's, it's a, I mentioned a lot. Well, the, the symbol, uh, you said it's this. And that, and that's why the Alamo is still important. Hot, that's why it's still fought over to this day. Like hot take. what it means to who hot take is the Alamo, the Texans Confederate flag. Hmm. I don't think so. It can be, and that's the thing. It can be, and I guess someone who supports a Confederate flag could tell you the same thing. <laughs> like, it's not what you think it is. So, so yeah, I don't think you're entirely wrong, but in a way, like, so it's a, it's a symbol that existed. That oh, I'm not saying been, it is. I'm just saying, like, food for thought, like, is... No, 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 no. I, li- I, like, we, I, I like the question. I don't know if I agree with the statement, but I like the question, because it does kind of make you think like uh is it just like a texan version of the confederate flag yeah. where like it's been repurposed and hijacked and whatever it first meant it doesn't mean that anymore so but in a lot of ways i think the alamo's importance as a symbol has sort of maintained it just depends on who's fighting to keep only that story the alamo told and not a wider story or uh, a story of more truth to it than what we're commonly told, things like that. So uh, er- before we go too much further, uh, Aaron, what 
you so first first of all you're born raised in north carolina raised in uh you were in louisville for a while you're you washington state for a while um no no not 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 louisville did i say Uh, it wrong tupelo (laughs) that is a place that i have been yeah so born and raised near military installations so hopkinsville tacoma general area um the the Fayetteville area. So as um, somebody who kind of major places, as somebody who did not go to seventh grade in Texas, and take Texas history, <laughs> that's important too. <laughs> so as somebody who did not attend seventh grade in Texas, and as somebody who has never been a resident of Texas as a member of the military, going to university, or been here longer than five days for a wedding and or hangover, um, what? What do you know, or what were you taught or told about the Alamo? Like, what is what is an American perspective, but a non-Texan American perspective of the Alamo? Was the Alamo connected to Texas independence uh, in the fall of the Confederacy when... No, no, I have this wrong. Great, great. So you, you, I'm already the stepping first off few bad, words. The first were words were good. correct. However, not the Confederacy. All right, great. Can I tell you who is there? Uh, sure. Davy Crockett. He was. Daniel okay. Boone. He was. Nope. <laughs> Daniel Boone was not. Boone General was there? Custer in 1864. Uh, oh, you're right, you're right. General Custer. <laughs> General Custer. Yeah, that. <laughs> I, you remember uh, Step Brothers? Be like Gerald Custer built this house in 1864. <laughs> Me and Johnny Hopkins used to smoke weed behind the school. Yeah, Tony Hawk was there. So oh, yeah. Daniel that's Boone where Tony Hawk did his Bill. first. Tony Hawk did his first 900 at the Alamo. That's right. <laughs> so Daniel Boone was hanging out with Buffalo Bill um, and Wider. Where was Bill? I said Texas stuff? Yeah. Okay. So. All you know is that it was Davy Crockett. All Davy Crockett. Uh, he all got you know Davey was Crockett it right. was a thing that happened, right? There's a big shootout, and uh, Bill Paxton, I think, was there. Oh yeah, Bill Paxton the, uh, was definitely there, hundred percent there. I've never seen the movie, but I can tell you that Bill Paxton was there. Yeah, and uh, Val Kilmer was everybody's Huckleberry. Oh yeah, Boone oh, died. Yeah. Bo- okay, how was did Val I not? Kil- oh, how did I not? Know I know. That I've Daniel watched Bill that died. one. I didn't know well, that Bill Paxton's in that one too. What? Oh, so Wait, is Sam Neil? Sam Neil's not in Tombstone. Uh, Sam Elliott. Sam, Sam Elliott. Elliott is. Sam Elliott is one hundred percent. Sam Neil is in Jurassic Park and uh, a really scary sci-fi movie that came out in '96. Event Horizon. I've never seen it, but I was it's tripping up. balls, and we were like, "Should we watch this movie?" And I was like. No, we shouldn't, but we should. We never did. So, anyway. <laughs> All right. Texas okay. Le- leading man. up to the Alamo. So Alamo is not that important outside of Texas unless you're trying to evoke a wider symbol. Yes. That's what that's what we learned from Aaron. So the Alamo is the the Alamo is the symbol of Texas grit of a Texan's willingness to fight, of his hardiness, of 
of whatever. That's what the Alamo is. Possibly there, his supremacy over the brown man. Yeah. Um, Aaron, I highly recommend that next time you're in Texas, when you're visiting your mom, drive three and a half hours southeast and go to San Antonio. Um, go look at it, and you'll be surprised how small the Alamo actually is. Um, they The cannon that was stolen, that was buried, or the cannons that were used there, uh, go climb on them. They were super tiny, too. Um, but the... The Alamo is not the end-all, be-all of the Texas independence movement, right? Um, lots of things lead up to this, which Cody, I'm sure, can background us. Um, namely, some of those um, is <laughs> is slavery. Does, like, can, I, let's just can, I, can I stop you real quick? Can we get a, like, con- contextualized, like, paragraph, two paragraphs leading up to no, how much information do we need to kind of set the stage? Is how much information is is vital for for people to make this resonate? Take it away, uh, history major. A bit. Um, all right. So the Mex so starts off with the Mexicans, or yeah, Mexicans overthrowing the Spanish Empire. The Spanish Empire no longer controls Mexico. Right before that happens. The Spanish crown has, because at the time, Texas is sparsely populated. Like, you have folks out in South Texas. You have a little bit of a now, uh, outpost in, like, Nacogdoches. But everything in the middle is pretty much Comanche territory. And you got to remember so, that Texas is going all the way up to the Dakotas. It's not just the Texas that we know, but, like, what is being defined as Texas. The Texas is, territory. Is going up through yeah. New, uh, it's going up through Nebraska all the way to the Dakotas. But as far as any sort of, like, meaningful battles, any sort of meaningful, like, figures that actually mean Texas, none of the shit matters. Like, it came, like, it came over with it, but it, it doesn't matter. But, um... So you have this whole wide swath that's just Comanche territory and the Spanish are like Spanish. And then later the Mexicans are like, you know, someone's got to settle this. And this all coincides with the cotton boom. So, the, you know, the cotton gin, you know, that takes off. And now all of a sudden America is a cotton growing fucking powerhouse like the cotton output quintuples at 20 20 x's like we are making fucking cotton people are getting rich actually mississippi comes to play because a lot of the people who ends up settling texas are folks who struck rich already in mississippi and arkansas or lost their fortunes in those states and and have got to like get the fuck out of dodge so you go to texas where the spanish and later mexicans are like yeah you guys can take these swaths of land can i comment yeah yes Dude, this sounds like Silicon Valley. It, yeah, that's actually pretty this, fair. Yeah. Essentially, Texas becomes like where you can run off to a startup. Yeah, but it's right. Yeah, this, yeah. But this is but this is how you get um, this is how you get the big families, right? So Stephen F. Austin. This is how he's you, the guy who really like argues and negotiates, but he runs into friction early on because the Spanish were f- cool with slavery. Didn't bother him. Imagine that. But the, the Spanish but the me- who enslaved the, the area they're in are cool with slavery. 
exactly. But then the Mexican government, you know, so now it's a Mexican government, and their whole thing was fighting for equality of man. That's the like the entire Mexican Revolution against the Spanish Crown is about how they should be equal because the Mexican people were either full Spanish blood, a mix of Spanish blood, and you know, uh, native blood, some mestivo, I believe, and then you also have like some African in there, a lot of stuff. Like it's a it's already a diverse population, but a lot of those people were second and third class citizens because they weren't Spanish or white, I guess you could call it. Well, Mexico as a government now is saying like, so, you know, now we have Steve Austin and like they're coming in a little bit, but they're bringing slaves and they're like, no, no, no. These people can't bring slaves into what is Mexico. We just fought a whole revolution that said every man is equal like we this isn't going to fucking fly so they have to do a whole bunch of defined is <laughs> moments between the uh white anglos that were coming into as they uh, lobbied in mexico like you know, so like Stephen f austin's like arrested like five times and like held in mexico city because he keeps going there to argue for slavery and there's a bunch of government changes, so it goes from republics to autocrats, back and forth a bunch of fucking times. And then you eventually end up with Santa Ana, who... Overthrows the government in Mexico. Yeah, he's he was a he was a populist uh, general who's like, no, no, yeah, I'm consolidating rule, and we're fucking done with the slave stuff. It's over. I'm going up there. The t- these fuckers need to start paying their taxes like they're supposed to, <laughs> and they're getting rid of the slaves. Like we've given them too many loopholes. They keep eat, that that moose keeps ax- asking for more shit to put on his muffin. We gave him the muffin. Give him out. Now he cookie. wants he wants jam. He's going a napkin. He's going to a place to take a fucking nap pretty soon. <laughs> so they go up there to take the fucking the the muffin from the moose, and uh, what really really fucks up. Uh, Santa Ana is kind of a hubris in a lot of ways. So it's sort of a vengeance thing. Cause like in a lot of ways he, he was like boys with Stan of Austin, but Stan of Austin, not so much him as much as like Jim Bowie and Travis are agitators. Like, no, fuck that. We're keeping slaves. Like, and he's like, no, fuck. I've been burnt too many times. These Texians it's over. And so he commits some atrocities. Like, I think it's in Goliad where everyone in the entire town is slaughtered and their bodies are put into a pile and they are burnt. They are just, it's a mountain of ashes, some like Genghis Khan shit. So that's motivating enough for, you know, a fledgling little independence movement. The So the Alamo happens because Texians had fought off the Spanish in San Antonio. And San Antonio is kind of the cat's pajamas of cities in Texas. It's really the only city in Texas. Galveston's like sort of a thing. You have Washington, San Antonio on, the, you have is, Washington on the Brazos. Which is like fucking like a bunch of stick houses. That's yeah. all it is. It's it's like you could have, when John Smith went to Powhatan's fucking Quonset hut was probably better off than Washington the Brazos. San Antonio is a real city with like four missions. There's it's an actual city. Well, the Texians do fight and win there, but now they have to hold the city. Well, they don't have an army. 
Sam Houston's telling everyone there, like, hey, y'all need to fuck it, fuck off and bounce. Like, we're going to consolidate somewhere else, form up, and then we'll take them on. And a hundred and total ends up being like 186 people. So, yeah, numbers like, numbers are skewed. Sticking. Regardless, like, when you look it up, you're going to see a hundred stood against a thousand, three hundred stood against a thousand. Uh, numbers go anywhere from like 185 to 260. Yeah, and yeah, 185 to 260 is pretty much accepted. And, you know, it's this whole crazy perfect storm of personalities. Uh, you have Travis, Bowie, and then all of a sudden, Davey, a disgraced Paul, Tennessee politician and bear hunter, Davy Crockett, shows up. <laughs> and you're like, okay, here's Davy Crockett now. And so these personalities all converge there. And Davy Crockett shows up. You're like, man, I'm just looking for one more good gunfight. I, I mean, that's how they like to sh- like portray it, certainly, you know. But um, they all show up. And. You know, there's a difference between the you know, defending the Alamo is already a terrible place to defend. It's not ideal. There's not really even a back wall to this fucking place. It's like little corners where they've had to like put gun emplacements and embarkments haphazardly. It's fucked, and they have I think around two thousand Mexicans led by Santa Ana taking on the Alamo. Uh, yeah, it's like twenty one hundred twenty five or the estimates. Yeah, and it's uh, it's not in their favor, and and so Trav, I believe it's Travis. Yeah, because Bowie is like he's sick, he's dying. Yeah, William Travis is the so at the time at the time, uh, Sam Houston is the commanding general of the Texas forces. William Travis is a lieutenant colonel, and he is the commander of the Alamo. Uh, yeah, like Bowie's just like another local celebrity who got in a knife fight in Arkansas. And now he's famous. Yeah, previous guy before Bowie is he uh, an American or is he William a Travis Texas belligerent? Yeah. So William B. Travis, who Caitlin wouldn't let me name my son after because I wanted him to be Travis James after Lieutenant Colonel uh, William B. Travis. Uh, so he is a he's another like land baron kind of. He's he's he was an interesting guy. Um, so he's a lawyer. Um, he's from Claiborne. Uh, he's he's known for. Well, he's from Alabama. Yeah, came to the British colonies of North America at the age twelve, uh, where he's placed in indentured servitude. So like he kind of he goes back and forth between North Carolina and Great Britain. I'm sorry. Uh, his family, like his fa- his family's going back and forth between North Carolina and Great Britain, and then they they make their way down to Alabama, uh, where Travis is from. He's from Claiborne, and then because Cotton, um, and he's a lawyer, so he ends up making his way into Texas, um, in May of 1831. So he's not super established because you got to remember all this is happening in 1834. Five is when it kind of starts like mm. and at this point there's already sort of like original families in texas like to this day if you can trace back to like the like the fir- the original 100 or whatever like yeah so we know, have a thing certain we have a people thing called, think you're a big deal we have sons uh we have thing in texas called the sons and daughters of the republic which are yeah. people who can replace who can trace their lineage back to family members who fought in the texas revolution or prior 
So if your family was here and you could trace your roots, even if you live in New York now, but you have family, like you have a great, 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 great grandfather or whatever that was in Texas in 1836 or before you were a son or daughter of Texas and the daughters of the Republic of Texas, actually the ones who used to take care of the Alamo. They used to caretake the Alamo and that's a whole, that's actually like, depending on how deep you want to go in this fucking podcast, like that's also a problem. Yeah. And that's, that's been come to a head on. But let's, let's get into things. So, Aaron, this is, I feel like we're kind of teaching you a class on this, and I like I'm getting this. in the weeds here, and I'm sorry. So I think it's fascinating. So at this when point, does the Alamo become a... The Alamo becomes a symbol once everyone is dead. So everybody but three people die at the Alamo, right? Yes. So there One are... guy gets it, because they keep sending messengers to Sam Houston with letters from Travis, and everyone at this point so... considers Travis to be kind of hysterical and like, eh. He could be full of shit. Right. He's so not full of shit. There's th- only three people who survive, right? Um, so, once again, no, 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 no. Once again, doesn't count as survivor because he didn't. He fly left there. earlier. That's so, right. So, uh, Guerrero, uh, Guerrero survives. Um, uh, Dickinson, Sarah Dickinson, something like that. So, uh, Susanna, then a, then Susanna, a black, a black slave also yep, survives. Susanna Dickinson and Susanna. um, yeah, the slave. Now, Juan Seguin is the only person who left the Alamo. Uh, Juan Seguin, he was set, he was sent off. I mean, yeah, so once again, volunteers says. to go to Washington on the Brazos to contact Sam Houston and say, General, we need your help. Because um, I believe Houston this time is up he's in wounded. Like he's wounded in action. <laughs> he's up in Nacogdoches trying to like form an alliance with the Indians, possibly. That, that happens at some point. Yeah. Um. So all this is, it, it, and much like Aaron, much like the uh, the American Revolution, right? So July fourth, seventeen seventy six, America is a free and independent nation, right? So on July fifth, nobody's fighting. And everybody recognizes America as um, a free nation, and the British have just left us alone. Well, March 2nd of 1836, uh, the Texans have declared themselves independent. We are a free and sovereign nation. Uh, we are beholden unto nobody except for ourselves, and piss kindly piss off. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but they are like seven days into the siege of the Alamo at this point. And the Alamo is not going to fall for an... Uh, so, hold on a second. They are nine days into the siege of the Alamo at this point because the Alamo is not going to fall for another four days. Yeah, so, and they're although just, like, sitting around out... Mexicans just sitting around outside doing nothing. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, they're not going to fight us. Yeah, so although independence has been declared on March 2nd, they are nine days into the siege, and the Alamo is going to fall four days later, and the, there will be continued fighting. Um, Which is pretty good because it took... America from 1776 all the way to 1783 to actually be independent. The Texans did it like like 20 days later. Yeah, so that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> all right. So teaching all the uh, teaching the class here, uh, Aaron. I think what's important to take away. So as we're shaping, as we're reshaping your view of the Alamo, one of the key things to remember about this is the Texas Revolution is fought in part for slavery. Texans want their slaves. That's a a major crux of it is being able to keep slaves. 
Like there's not really So this is not like, this is not an oppressive taxation without representation. Not this really. is not the Mexicans came onto our sovereign land and we defended it. This is not uh they are you know, this it's, is not geno- they're not creating a genocide here. This is we have white Texians are saying we can't economically survive here if we don't have slaves. We came here to grow cotton. We can't do that cheaply and for profit without free labor. Basic- well, not free labor. They pay for the labor, but, you know, it's like a sunk cost. Basically, Texians in 1836 are, they just don't want to work anymore. Um, they're lazy. They're entitled. They, the radio, it, you know, things are happening. What was the state of the rest of the uh, the Union, or or what was the state of the Union during the uh, revolutionary period for Texas? Um, what do you mean? Wh- what's happening so, in America? Yeah, yeah. It's oh, it's all intact, but there is a, at this point, there's already a, uh, I believe there's already a line, like notes, like for every state that's admitted you're as talking a slave Mason. state, you're talking must be Mis- admitted a counterpart free state. How do you not know the name of that? That's the Missouri Compromise. Because uh, I can't, well, because off the top of my head, I can't remember, I thought Missouri Compromise itself was in 1850, <sighs> but that might be a different compromise. So the Missouri Compromise is in 1819, which okay, so establishes a lot earlier than I thought. Which establishes um, admitted Missouri as a slave state and Maine as a free state, and declared the policy of prohibiting slavery in the remaining Louisiana Purchase lands north of the 3630, yes. which is our Mason-Dixon line, right? Damn! What, so what? The, no. Okay, so there's another one in 1850. Okay, I'm not wrong. So 1850, <laughs> what, 1850, 1850 to do of California? What 18? Yeah. Okay. So the Missouri Compromises in, uh, yeah, but Missouri Compromises. So Texas is at this point not a part of the union. They are their own sovereign nation for a brief stint. So nine years. They are a sovereign nation because they want to keep. So you had America, which stopped at Louisiana. So Nacogdoches is like the first non-American town. Following the Louisiana Purchase, right? Everything east of that is at one point the Spanish Empire and then later the Mexican Empire. So that whole air, but this whole area that is Texas is, you know, sectioned off and parts of that in actual proper Texas are essentially deeded out to white Anglos. So it's a, it's just, it's sort of like a colony in a sovereign nation full of Anglo-Americans mostly. I'm sure there's other nationalities coming over. So the Mexicans at this point are simply just trying to oust the vagrants on their land. The they're not necessarily trying to they're not necessarily trying to oust the Anglos. They're just trying to like fight them to the point where they can no so, longer and, be have power. And they're I, trying to take the power back. I think it's important to recognize here what role Mexico plays from 18 when when did we say that uh, when did they oust um when did they oust the Spanish eighteen thirty? It's like eighteen. Right? Cody, I, I gotta 19, ask you just from like a historian perspective. Is Santa Ana at this point is he considered to have made like a hot headed decision in, in the case of like raising that city um to the ground? Goliath. Committing murder. It's that, cer- it's certainly a misstep on his part. I mean, well, it's a misstep, but was it? Is he it thought he was invoking a powerful symbol to them to like knock it the fuck off because we're serious. 
Yes, yeah, so it's it's and, interesting kind of getting the, into for like white the Anglo's there sources that now because becomes, you can read the uh, dispatches. So yeah. yeah, I was just curious like what those those yeah. look like from your perspective. And so the white Anglo's now see that as like, oh fuck, the Mexicans really are coming this well, time. This so, actually is bad because there was some disbelief. Like, listen, the Mexicans come all the time. They're they're fine. It's fine. You guys are a bunch of uh, you know, chicken littles. The sky's always falling for you people. They're oh, they're going to take your slaves. Sure, sure, sure. Well, this time they're serious. They're really going to do it. So I think what's what's wow. really what's one thing to consider. Um, so I want to talk about Texas, specific. Actually, I want to talk about Mexico from eighteen twenty one to eighteen sixty five. So from eighteen twenty one, this is when. Mexico has become an independent nation. They fought off the Spanish, um, and they they are now Mexico proper, a sovereign nation. Then yeah, it's you like have the Empire of Mexico. Then you have 1836. Texas has this. Well, 1835, but 1836, Texas becomes in the sovereign nation as well. And then in 1861, the Civil War starts. So in between 1836 and 1861, Texas has joined. Uh, they say it's annexed. They're annexed by treaty. I think that's important as a proud Texan. We need to. They're annexed by treaty. They're not like taken and over. And then we immediately go to war. We, as in the United States, immediately go to war with Mexico so, to establish the border of the Rio Grande instead of I think the. So in 18. Niches. Yep. So in 1845. Right. Yeah. Uh, 1845, we are on the border of the Spanish Ameri- or the uh, Mexican American Wars, right? Um, am I wrong, Cody? Yeah. So 1845, we're looking at the, the Mexican precipice. Yeah, we're at the precipice of it. Tech and the they have figured out that effectively, whatever side Texas is on is going to be the side that wins. This is the consensus. So Texas, which at the time extends from Brownsville. Um, which is the southern tip all the way up to the Dakotas. Uh, it is the the funky-looking Texas that everybody has seen every now and then. Is, we could be a ski state. We could be a ski state. And they go, <laughs> okay, how do we do this? So they join the United States. But because of the Missouri Compromise, they have to give up all of their land above the 3630, uh, above the Mason-Dixon line, so Texas can enter in as a free or as a slave state so texas enters in as a slave state which is why it's not the size that it used to be so i tell my wife all the time yeah and now we're getting into the mexican-american war which they fight and whatever the case may be there and then you enter into the civil war and one of the fun things about the civil war aaron so we know about the we know about the um underground railroad right Everybody knows about the Underground Railroad. Aaron, can you tell it's me? It's not actually underground. It's not a subway. Aaron, where else did slaves escape to in the Civil War? Name another country. It rhymes with Sexico. Mexico? Mexico, right? So during the American Civil War, slaves from the South are escaping into Mexico. Upon formal request of the United States, they asked the Mexican government to return all, or the Confederate, I guess the Confederate states, they say, return all of our slaves. Aaron, do you know what Mexico's response was to the Confederate states when they said, return our slaves? Oh, this may take it. Good. It yeah, what like, is it? They said, sorry, we don't have slaves here. We only have free people. 
Yeah, and th- that is their thing throughout yes. the Texas Revolution too, because slaves were escaping. So, that's why I said. That's why I said let's look at the role that Mexican Mexican morality, Mexican politics have on the United States between 1821 and 1865. So basically, the time that Mexico becomes a sovereign nation to the end of the Civil War. You have Mexico, who notoriously is anti-slave. Um, probably the indigenous people there are like mostly anti-slave. I don't know because maybe For somebody, sure. maybe somebody sailed the ocean blue in 1492 uh, with blankets and horses and looking for cities of gold. Abraham, yeah. Um, Instead, he found a bunch of oh, silver yeah, mines. Yeah, he crossed the, They all died. But so, so the Spanish, the Spanish and other Western European nations have been enslaving the native Mexicans for 400 years at this point when the Mexicans have finally got it. So when a bunch of shithead Texans say we want our slaves, they go, are you kidding me? You've had them for you've had them for 50 years. Maybe <laughs> you've had them for 50 years. We've been slaves for 400. No, we're not going to let you do that. And they went. Come and take it, bro. Like, yeah, we have one cannon. Now what? So it, it's the Texans are or the Mexicans are always portrayed. Uh, Antonio uh, Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana is always portrayed as like this monstrosity in your seventh grade Texas and uh, history course. Uh, but it's important to remember what they are. You know, one of the major things they're fighting for, and they are fighting for where they're fighting against the Texans, but they're fighting for the people of what at the time is their their territory peoples within mexico at the time um to not be slaves they're fighting man they wouldn't teach this in history man but this sounds like i'm frustrated because people might try to label this as like critical race theory but you know if you set up all of these events chronologically like is it accepted in in the seventh grade history book, this was not something I like. Is this the is this the narrative or is this just the like, hey, the narrative uh, is the we they all fought for freedom. <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah you get the freedom thing, you get the uh, the populist, although like they vaguely def- are going to define populist, but um, you're going to get the the overbearing government of Mexico was not allowing Texans the freedoms they desired. And that's pretty much how I was taught it was the the Mexican government is overbearing. It's creating rules and laws, which yeah. the Texans A don't like. Tyrannical despot Santa Ana. Yeah. Who'd only been in power oh for like boy. a year or two at that point. I think he I think he came into power in like eighteen thirty four. Yeah, but he was always the he's a behind the scenes player for like the previous decade. Like he was a big deal. Yeah. So is all this making a little more sense, Aaron? Like as yeah, we're it's fascinating. Thank you. And so what's and why this is why this is important today for many reasons is uh well particularly in Texas is like we just touched on the narrative taught in school is vimly defended by certain parts of the state whereas other parts of the state are like well shouldn't we also tell people about the you know the Tejanos who are at the Alamo uh, like, oh, uh, define like, define Tejano real quick. So a Tejano would be a Mexican Texan 
or a Texas Mexican, know, which like is that. different like, from a Texas. Either way, it sounds like they're indigenous in. Um, yeah, they in they already have origin. lived in Texas, but they are also on the side of the Texians. Yeah, the Texas so because so, at the time they were called Texians. So there is a difference between a Tejano. A Tejano is a Mexican who lives in the area that would become Texas. Yeah, and and like it's probably much like. American independence, I'm sure there was a split among that population as well. So you had Tejanos who favored the Anglos, you had Tejanos who favored the Mexican side. Well, at the Alamo, there are Tejanos there, like who, you know, fought and died there. And, you know, that, that needs to be part of it. Um, you know, so many people like use the Alamo as like this, like anti-Mexican screed. It's like, they massacred all those white men there. It's like, well, there's fucking Mexicans there, too. Hey, Aaron, have you ever heard the term uh, caballero? Caballeros? Caballero, yep. right? Cowboys. Yeah, well, so those are like the, the caballero would be your, um, would be like your outlaw. Uh, would be like your outlaw cowboy, right? You tell oh. that to Donald Duck. Uh, okay. I thought a caballero was just a. Just a cowboy. I didn't realize it had a connotation. So it, it they do, right? So there's two terms. You have a caballero and you have a vaquero. A vaquero yeah, yeah. is a cowboy. Vaquero, a vaquero is your cowboy. Yeah. Vaca. And do you know Vaca. who a large chunk of vaqueros were in Texas? Black people. Black men. Black oh, men. yeah. That, that's uh, another really cool little um, asterisk that people don't understand about. Um, cowboy culture, which is it's it's um, multicultural in origin. They think of like Marlboro Man, but yeah, like I like the black cowboy. Um, yeah, I mean it was a high. job that like paid you dog shit and yeah, so, for hard work, man. But it's so, paid, you know. Yeah, so there's lots of like there's lots of this little nuance that doesn't get remembered. It doesn't it. It's not that it, I'm sorry. It's not that it doesn't get remembered. It is. It's not what's put forward. It's in your classroom. Unless you know how to ask the right question. Um, and even then you're, you're a, so often your seventh grade Texas history teacher is the guy who also like coaches seventh grade football. So it's just like some fucking, and dude. he's probably your driver, your driver's ed teacher. Like he was fine. Yeah. Like he's hung over. He has to deal with 12-year-olds trying to, like, monkey fuck a football all day. So, yeah, when you, you take this all the way out to critical race theory. So um, so we have the esteemed Greg Abbott, um, Ken Paxton, Ted Cruz. We have these people Damn who— Dan Patrick. Who, yeah, Dan Patrick. Uh, we have these esteemed people who represent Texas, um, much like the esteemed people in Florida— who represent their great their great state, who have already made steps to remove... All hail the leader. To Ron DeSantemonious. That's right. Uh, what are they... What, what was that? No, it wasn't Lasagna Ron. What was the other good one he called him? I think they called oh, him Meatball, Meatball Ron. Meatball Ron. Um, I think, and that's like a Jersey, Fort, Jersey Shore reference, which I really enjoy. But... So you look at what... DeSantis has done in Florida with the removal of um, LGBT African American studies, which again blows my mind because this this is not like a required class 
for most majors. So if you're taking a major that requires this class, then it's not like they're shoving these theories down your throat, right? You probably already have that thought process. Um, but as we as we move forward and as you move forward in the legislative process with Texas, um, and think about Cody, your kids growing up, and what's the story they will be told, or will they be allowed to be told this story? Well, I'm more worried about the story that their friends will be told because I'll be there the entire time. Mm, that's right. A bastion of truth. Uh, and and so with that said, there um so today in 2023 there is a new battle not of the Alamo but for the Alamo in a sense of they there's like a fucking like 200 500 million dollar renovation that's been going down there and it started out as an attempt to house Phil so okay here's a fun story Phil Collins is the guy from like Genesis and the Tarzan soundtrack do 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 you know, right, of course, right, the, right. in the air tonight as well. He is. Sorry, he spent the two thousands buying up every artifact, and that's an air quotes. It can be air quotes. Um, you know, some of it, some of it good, some of it not. He spent millions buying up shit that was related. He just got really into the Alamo and started buying up anything in the market that someone could like tell him, like, yeah, for sure, dude, this is William Travis's sword he spent millions buying up all this shit. Some of it real, some of it hard to really trace. And so he's got like all these artifacts. Well, he's gifted them to the state of Texas. If they created a museum to house them. So that would entail an entire overhaul of what today or was the Alamo Plaza, including the centipath centipath. Yeah. Whatever the fuck the big spire. Oh, which turns out that spire was there put in place to commemorate again Santa Ana's thing was all right everyone who's dead in the Alamo they were in a pile Davy Crockett Travis Bowie all you motherfuckers you're in a pile we're burning everyone to the ground it's just ashes that's where the so this supposedly where this the spire is is where the cenotaph or cenotaph that's what it is cenotaph 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 yeah so all that, you know, so this whole fight about what the Alamo is supposed to be. Well, at one point, the Alamo, like all that money was like, okay, cool. This is an opportunity, you know, for us to create this world-class exhibit that can tell the whole story. Like the Alamo as a mission, the Alamo as an Indian burial ground it is that. Every time they dig up, they find Indian bones because they died there. Uh, the Alamo as a battle site, the Alamo just like as a mission, the Alamo as part of a fucking story. At one point, the whole like uh, where the gift shop is, that was like a 1800s version of a Piggly Wiggly. Like it was a store. Actually, where the they, Ripley's Believe It or Not is, um, that was a uh, that was a really holy site, I think, during the day, too. Yeah, that if whole area. Believe, if so, you believe it or not. They've that had to buy so, up all that so stuff. Fascinating, and what I I think is a lot of those artifacts Phil Collins has aren't real, so that's kind of fun. <laughs> like they're not real, but we're gonna. But there's the state has the state and private donors have 
amass like $500 million in donations. And so with that, those big do- private donors do not want a wider story of the Alamo. The story of the Alamo they want is the one from like the John Wayne movie with a valiant Davy Crockett dying swinging, not the Davy Crockett who most likely surrendered and then was executed on orders of Santa Ana type shit. Like they don't want that told. It's he went down swinging. So did Travis. Bowie wasn't sick. He rallied. He puked and rallied. Yep. He when got you, out there. When you look at the death, when you look at the death ratio, so um, all but three survived the Alamo. Uh, Two thousand or twenty one hundred uh, Mexican soldiers. But the Alamo defenders took down some motherfuckers. Yeah. So two thousand to twenty one hundred Mexican army. Something like eight hundred died. Um, yeah. So you knock Alamo. Out, they fucking put in work. So you knock out uh, whatever the math on that is, just under a third of them, um, which makes sense from a fortified position. Yeah. So let's. I mean, if we're, like the and again, the people talk about this. They talk about like we fought thirteen days against the siege. Uh, I, I dollars to donuts. That's of the one hundred and eighty-two. We'll just say that there was 185 there. Just let's, I don't know. It's an easy. We'll number. say 185 were there of the 182 that died. I dollars did donuts like 50 or 60 of those just got super sick and died. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's probably shitty water. The food's terrible. Um, we're, I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about 36. Yeah. The anyway, uh, Aaron, we've talked a lot. How has how has your view of, you know, because Cody and I sit in here, we, we, I'm still a proud Texan. I'm still very proud, and I just think it's important that people under, people know the full history, and we, we drive Texas forward based off of our history in the past and recognize what we did, where we came from. Um, yeah. How has what we have talked about, what has changed in your views of, the American Southwest of the Mexicans, especially the the history of Mexico or what you knew about Mexico, um, how their role played in in the formation of the United States through the Civil War, whatever the case may be. What what are your like thoughts? What do you you know? What's your takeaway as a as a non Texan as a foreigner? Yeah, so I, I find it very fascinating, and I think that a lot of the history that portrays these these specific events uh, don't really do a great job encapsulating all of the all of the drama because there's tons of it. Um, I had a a friend of mine; his mother sent me a book. I think it was called "The Empire of the Summer Moon," or or yeah, maybe that's, it was that's it was a book. But uh, maybe no. I'm is it's about the Comanches. No, I'm I'm getting it wrong because this book was about Kit Carson, but I think it was the same. Yeah, same, the author. same author. I know you're talking about. Yep. Uh, so Gwyneth Gwynth, G W Y N. That's correct. Um, he was able to capture such a unique um portion of history in in terms of like telling the story of Kit Carson, also another famous you know Western. Western man um, who is who is uh, indigenous 
uh, at least to a degree. Um, so there's a lot more to dig in there. What I, I find more interesting are the indigenous cultures that interact and, and help influence all this. Um, the caballeros, the vaqueros, um, the kind of like the more interesting, yeah. the teanos, the, I think I find them the more interesting, um, so I'll be excited to kind of dive a little more into it. Um, Empire of the Summer Moon, it sounds like that would be Comanches, right, Cody? Yeah. So, so that that's just one portion of this whole puzzle. And where are the um, Comanches at? They're that in, makes up. The Comanches are in northwest Texas, west Texas? Uh, it's. I mean, they were migratory, but like Comanche, so they had their home base you know, kind of like North Texas E, uh, but they would do raiding parties as far south as it across the border into what is now Mexico, and they'd like go there and try to steal as many horses as possible and take them back. Yeah, that's wild. So the yeah, Comanches so, yeah. were just like fucking up the Mexicans all the time, stealing all their horses. Yeah, so the the Comanches the Comanches go from uh, Anglo's like, were supposed to be the buffer. Like, hey, go fuck with these guys instead. Yeah, Comanches go from effectively like Austin. God damn it, I gotta stop saying like this is driving me up the wall. Um, they go from effectively just north of San Antonio, so basically Austin. Um, mm-hmm. So basically Austin straight up the Panhandle, uh, Fort Worth. They cover the what? So as you're looking at Texas, and you have the most of the state. Yeah, they cover the most of the state. They go all the way through the Panhandle. They cover over half of Oklahoma. They're into Kansas. They're into New Mexico. They're into Colorado. Uh, their their territory overlaps with tons of other nations because they're migratory, but they're also a war. They're a warring culture. Um, fun fact of the day, Aaron. Uh, the uh, do you know? Have you ever heard of the word Tejas? Yes. Tejas. So it's not Spanish. Um, it is a Caddo word. Uh, Caddo is a First Nations people. It is a Caddo word that means friendship. And the only, Texas only has one natural lake. Uh, every other lake in Texas is man-made, and that is Caddo Lake. That is correct. In East Texas. Right and there uh, the friendship is also the motto of Texas. It is, and yeah, it comes from the I don't know Caddo how, word. I don't know how much we take that to heart. No. I, I know, because it's don't mess with Texas. Remember the Alamo. Yeah, but What's don't mess with Texas one? is about litter, but all these weirdos oh, of guns uh, decided to Aaron, make if, that. Aaron and Cody, <laughs> if y'all haven't watched the documentary on the Don't Mess With Texas campaign, I would highly recommend it. That is an incredible documentary. Okay, yeah, that actually would be interesting. Uh, it's it's a really cool... It, so it's basically about one artist's rendition of the... Don't mess with Texas and the Department of Transportation, like how they come together. Uh, really cool history thing. Um, well, my wife is threatening to start a show without me. Okay, so give me a second here, uh, Aaron. What are we looking forward to learn about in Washington State? What's what's some kind of this like fun quippy history, or is there anything up there that we should uh, we should look forward and Cody and I need to read into? Hey, so when I was on Bainbridge Island a few weeks ago, uh, I got to ride past um, some old naval batteries. Those naval batteries were were built. Uh, Are these like they like power the belly buttons? 
Jesus um, Christ. And then they also had, like, um, when we got to the top of this climb, they also had a um, the Office of Naval Intelligence. So, no, pretty cool. I'd never, I've never seen them. I'd only heard of them, but they've got them all over. So, that's just kind of like... Um, just like a weird off the cuff thing. Uh, Plus, Fox like Island. Washington as a state has like more serial killers than any other state in the nation. What was that? Washington State has more serial killers than any other state in the nation. Also, we had Japanese internment camps. We also had uh, indigenous internment camps. Yeah, uh, the Chaz. Uh, uh, Fox Island had a. Well, um, after all the anime they made it, we probably should have kept them in camps. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Get us out of here. Okay. Uh, we've all said our closing thoughts. We've said all that done on our purpose. stuff. So uh, hit us up on the socials. If you made it through this one, this one was a long one, uh, but I appreciate you standing by. This is kind of Cody's gift to me as a new father is we get a Texas episode. Aaron, I'm sorry you had to suffer through it. So hit us up on the socials. Review at gmail.com for the old school listeners. Pretty little loggers at gmail.com. Can't wait for season two. Uh, should be oh, coming yeah. out here That's in about four soon. months. Uh, don't forget the World Baseball Classic is coming up. Opening day is March 7th. Um, find us on Twitter at DWIR Podcast. We are on Facebook.com slash Drunk Weekend Review. Instagram, uh, we are at Drunk Weekend Review. Let me run down some elections. Today is the 9th, so these will be occurring next week. Uh, Arizona, Phoenix, general runoff for Phoenix. Uh, in Nebraska, there's a special election for the Millard Public Schools. Is this schools. another Cary Lake election or a different election? Uh, it just says general runoff for Phoenix, so I'm guessing it's not <laughs> Cary Lake. And That's then uh, Tennessee, Tennessee House of Representatives, District 86, special election for District uh, Tennessee House of Representatives, District 86. Um, and then, I don't know if you're... Uh, oh, God, what's... The uh, hold on a second. I got it. I got it. I got it. South Carolina, is that right? Where the fuck is uh, Kentucky? Yeah. So uh, stay tuned for maybe a special election in Kentucky if things don't go any better for McConnell. Um, <laughs> who knows? Uh, I think that's it for ev- us. Appreciate you listening, Cody. Take us out. Hey, good night. We love you. Remember the Alamo if you want to. Yeah.